Welcome to the Heroes of Reality podcast, a podcast about the game of life and the hero's journey we all experience. Let's jump in with our host, Dylan Watkins, as he introduces today's guest. Who wants to chat about VR esports, the entire VR industry, the past, present, and future? Well, on today, I have an excellent guest. His name is Valter. I apologize about butching that name. I did the best I could. I am sorry about that. But he is into opening minds to all the worlds and opportunities that are being enabled by XR. It's what drives the passion for Valter and for his upcoming tech wave. Valter is the first who brought the concept of VR entertainment centers to the Netherlands. Now he is a VR teacher, business developer, and the head of VRNetherlands.nl, a full-service VR consultancy from location-based VR to VR sports to implementation and development of B2B concepts. Valter is expert in bringing the gap between tech and the market through systematics thinking. So without any delay, I would like to welcome Valter. Hi guys. Hey, hey brother. Important distinction right there. Uh, you said bringing the gap rather than bridging the gap. Oh, bridging the gap. Oh gosh, so close, so close, so close. I was so focused on the name, man. I could tell. I could tell every time. Every time I said your name, I was like, ding. I was like, oh god, I'm sorry, ding. Hi guys, I'm Jack. Uh, AKA Jack. I know that. There's um. I know I've seen that with some of my friends that have more difficult to pronounce names, especially like if we go to like say local Starbucks is here or whatever, yeah. they don't want to deal with it. And they're like, just give me the American name. You know, maybe <laughs> I have my friend named Michelle and he goes, just call me Mike. I'm like, I'm like, I'm like no, your name. I know your name. No, it's weird. No, stay with your oh, name. Wow. Oh, brother. How yeah, you doing well, today, man? Yeah, pretty good. Um, yeah. Pretty tired, actually. Uh, <laughs> I had a, a short sleep and a big demo today and well, a lot of stuff going on, but it's, it's all fun stuff. Nice. What what time is it for you over there right now? Um, uh, the correct way to say it, it's twenty forty two. So for you okay. American people, that's uh, eight forty two p.m. Okay, that's a long day. Well, in, in terms of like demoing technologies, uh, can you say a little bit about what you're demoing? Oh yeah, definitely. Um, uh, do you have an hour? Um, no, actually, you do. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, yeah. So uh, we are gonna uh, implement uh, and launch a, a turnkey VR product, and um, we started developing it in instantly when wireless headsets came out. So the Oculus Quest, and um, well, we saw its disruptive potential immediately. I I had four entertainment centers um, before the lockdown, and I decided to change routes um, because of obvious reasons. Uh, and uh, yeah, uh, we, we saw um, what it could do, and I knew the business model in and out of the entertainment centers because I ran a couple for for, for uh, years. So uh, yeah, we created our own game, and um, uh, then we had the game in 2020, and we thought, okay, um, how can we uh, go farther with this? Because if we want to uh, attract the, the larger customers, like holiday parks, uh, entertainment centers, the larger ones, um, they want a turnkey system. They, they don't want to install stuff themselves. They don't want to purchase all the hardware and, and they don't want any bugs and whatever. So we um, we got a, um, yeah, how do you call it? Uh, I think you got an American or the manufacturer, I guess. Okay. Uh, we partnered up with a manufacturer who um, is going to create a turnkey solution, and uh, we had a we have a leasing company, so people don't have to purchase the headsets; they can just lease it. And whenever a headset gets upgraded, it's it will um, it will go with the newest hardware, basically. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and um, now it's done, and uh, we're going to launch it, and um, we're going to go to trade shows, and uh, that's why I'm, I'm tired as well. Like in the middle of an I had a call with someone in Hollywood. 
and to talk about more stuff and how we could implement it there as well. So uh, awesome. So location-based entertainment so some sort yeah. of some sort of physical product that you leave on site that is basically vr in a box yeah kind of thing. Uh, i think i don't know if you're able to share a screen but it's much easier to just send you a video um see that. But i don't i i don't know if i'll be able to think because there are some lag issues with trying to download uh, it so i may i might hit some frame spikes on this let me see if, let me see oh yeah everything's 48 minutes man <laughs> if you had a 60 seconds to sizzle, I'd, I'd... no seconds it's seconds. Oh, is that 48 seconds oh, is that 48 seconds all right all right let's see here let's see if we can let's see if we can rock this i'm gonna um let's let's okay give me one second here um let me see what we can do i gotta i gotta close a, a bunch of monitors but while i do that in the background how about you tell me just a little bit of how you got started in the whole vr space what was the genesis and what was the what, like what led you up to this moment yeah um, well, I don't know how far back we're going to go. Uh, I'm just going to quickly summarize it. Um, so, um, up until my, like between my, officially my 18th and my 21st, I was a professional poker player. Um, so I ran around the world, uh, also to, to Vegas and, and, and Venice and stuff to play poker, uh, when it was still easy to win. <laughs> um, and, uh, I quickly realized that, um, uh, the money didn't actually trigger me. It was more the the learning part. Um, mm -hmm. So um, the edge you can gain, gain over certain type of things by just tweaking a little bit of data. And basically the approach is what I really like, the, the value mindset rather than the money mindset. Um, mm -hmm. And when I came to a certain level, I didn't like it anymore, even though like I, I was literally crying on the steps of, of a, a beautiful hotel in, in Prague. Um, like. Why the hell are you sad? <laughs> but that wasn't the reason. I just felt like I'm not growing anymore and I'm just getting money off of people who are addicted, basically. Mm -hmm. um, so I went to school, uh, studied uh, science and innovation management, uh, quite broad, you can go anywhere with that one. Um, there I learned that, um, well, learning by doing is more my thing than sitting still and looking at a teacher uh, spewing and stuff. Um, still, uh, then I went, to um, sell solar panels um, and uh, that was my first actual job in an office and um, I was I, I, I got scared um, and not from myself but like is this what the general working focus is this what what it's working is like I was not really impressed at the, and I had I thought okay wow these guys must be super expert and they just grind all the time but it's uh, the, the, the Google skill level wasn't high enough for me. People didn't want to improve that much and they just want to go to work, go to the end of their day and that's it. And um, that's not me. Uh, so um, yeah, uh, I realized, okay, uh, I'm more fitting into the entrepreneurial side but I didn't have anything I could relate to. So I saw a video in, in 2015 of someone playing VR uh, between my sales uh, meetings. Well, then you just go to YouTube. Um, and I, and I just called up my brother. I said, okay, hey, um, give me a couple of thousands. I'm just gonna start something. I'm gonna try something out. Um, so I Googled, how do I become an entrepreneur? <laughs> I literally Googled that one. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I, um, I bought off uh, the, the first consumer headset. So that's the Oculus Rift TV one from a Kickstarter uh, guy, because that was the first opportunity you could get it. Um, and um, I just started renting out to parties. Um, and, um, I just, uh, went to 
I just up my prices all the time until I got a no. And I could go up quite far, <laughs> I realized. So I, I can make a business out of this. It, I, it, I can actually do this. So then I looked for, for personnel and things got out of hand. And suddenly you have three entertainment centers and about 40 employees. So um, yeah, uh, that was good fun. Uh, and uh, But at that point is when um, the, the venue started racking up um, my uh, inspiration went down again because the creativity part was not really access anymore. It was just a copy paste rather than bootstrapping. Um, and the things that, that, that I like most was, okay, here we have something here. If you are, how the hell are we going to make a customer journey out of this? Cause I had no examples whatsoever. I was the first. So, um, yeah, uh, it's, it's, it's constant customer feedback, asking everyone of your, of your staff, please think with me. I don't know this stuff. Trust me. I'm, I'm your boss, but I don't know. Um, and that's the culture that was actually perfect for this type of uh, scenario where mm-hmm. new market, new tech. Um, so we grew a lot, and because the the culture was so good, our reviews went sky sky high. And um, yeah, that's uh, how I actually still approach business every day. Uh, just be open for everything and not stubborn. And, cool. Uh, yeah. so- so it's almost like this one you're googling how do i be an entrepreneur and so you're, so your google food is pretty strong then your ability to actually I'm so sickly good at googling yeah <laughs> i don't think that's a skill if someone has skill set google on his website on his resume i hire that person instantly yeah the first thing that they do because there are a lot of like coding boot camps that my friends have gone through the first thing is google food like how good <laughs> is your google food skills can you what yeah. can you do what can you find yeah, yeah. and that just, it's, it's just trust you can learn anything if you just look hard enough and just go to Code Academy, whatever, you can learn stuff by just being interested and finding out how stuff works. Yeah, that's see, that, and that's the thing is like most people, it's like, we are connected like it's a giant hive mind, everything in this world, everything that could ever be thought of is pretty much out there if you're willing to just take yeah. some time to go and learn. And then yeah. the, the tricky bit is not only just to consume it, but produce, or that that, yeah. that juxtaposition of learning, it's one half, the other hand is actually, you know, yeah. do you have do you have the balls to go out and try something, right? Are you yeah, willing to actually go? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and if you don't, if you don't, if you don't, then you're just going to consume, consume, and never produce anything. So yeah, yeah. yeah. So so that's uh, it, the big difference. That so the uh, when uh, I uh, I don't know the right group, but when I steer when I coach my 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 employees mm-hmm. um, or my coworkers, however the right right word is. Um, I always focus on uh, the, the mindset first. So how did you come to your decision? Mm. Uh, even if it's a good decision or a bad decision, I really, really don't care about the result at all. Because if I focus on the result, I'm just going to give you that example. Um, but the thought process behind it is what, it was, is what triggers me. If someone had as, as a good result, but his thought, thought process behind it was not good, I'm going to flame him. Even if he has a very good track record, I don't care at all. Because if you're going to do this all the time in the end, you, you're not going to do well. Um, so, um, yeah, so the, the, how do you approach things? Um, are you result oriented or are you process oriented? I, I don't want the result oriented people, even though people in, in, um, solicitations, uh, when they apply for a job, they think that's a good thing. I'm result oriented. Well, if I'm gonna hire someone who's rich, do I want the guy who won the lottery or do I, I want the guy who actually worked a lot, a lot to get rich, the guy who won the lottery, if he does that process all the time, he's going to lose all his money because mm-hmm. it's a long-term uh, negative value decision to buy a ticket. Um, so if that person uh, won the lottery, he's probably not that good. Yeah. So results don't really matter a lot. It's the yeah. process behind it. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, because the 
process is something that will actually get you there repeatedly. It's a, a proven process, right? You more you want more something that's a proven process, which is, you know, in business is probably like, you know, grit and transparency and, you know, ability to learn and apply yourselves versus, oh, well, <clears throat> I made X amount of money back in the day. Well, just because you could have caught it at the right time. Yeah. yeah. That might be. Or the people on LinkedIn who have like X Google, X this, X yeah. that. Okay. I don't care. <laughs> what yeah, what'd you do? What'd you do? Yeah, what, were they, what did you actually do? Show me your KPIs. Show me the colleagues who were positive about you. Whatever. Just yeah. your title doesn't mean shit to me. Yeah. I, but people's reviews of other people, I think, is so critical. And that was one of the mistakes that I made when I was hiring people and bringing them in, is not saying, oh, wow, look at all the stuff you said. Oh, great. These are all the stuff you've done. Can I talk to the people who you've done it with? And let's, let's have a conversation with them. Because yeah. then you'd really start to find out real quick. Because then they'll go, yeah. ooh, actually, I can't share that. And then you're yeah. okay. Do you go over people's backs or mm. do you, are you actually a team player? And did you together get the results? Um, no. One of my best salespeople is the best example I, I give a lot of time. One of my best salespeople was a biologist. Mm. <laughs> he had never done sales in his life, but it's, it's just in him. And he uh, just the, the way he thought and the way he convinced people that just worked. Um, I never had a better one. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, let's do this. Let's take a look at this. We got 48 seconds on the clock. Let's go take a look at these videos. I think I can share the screen here. Um, I'm gonna this window. Um, I'm gonna share system audio. I'm gonna hit share. We're gonna try this out. All right, we see this. We see this right here. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right, I'm gonna hit play. Nice. I like the logo here at the end here. Anyway, cool, um, man. So it's a it's a room scale PVP shooter cops versus robber experience. Yeah, yeah, and it, it's co-location, so um, it's only intended for location-based entertainment, not for consumers. Mm -hmm. Well, unless you have a ten by ten meter or thirty-two by thirty-two feet um, room. Um, so yeah, it, it's for location-based VR, and and the, the co-location part is is quite important because you actually see people at the same spot where you are at. So it's super intuitive. There is no teleportation required whatsoever. Yeah. Um, so this is the first time because of the wireless stuff, you can super easily access the early majority rather than the early adopters. Mm -hmm. And that's what uh, all of our business units focus on. It's the early majority. Yeah. And uh, we're finally at that stage. Well, it's awesome. I mean, looking at that makes a lot of sense because as long as you have a big empty room you can put people in there and, and get them have a great time i saw that also you had a lot of you know humanoid things with you the, the face plate on there so you can have low graphics so you don't need to really stress on actually trying to make that uh uncanny valley thing where yeah, it's exactly. creepily weird looking humans trying to pretend like they're humans and then you also need to go mm, no nah, i know you're trying to trick me i am falling yeah. for it yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I, this like super realistic stuff that isn't actually required to be immersed um and a lot of people 
uh, get confused by that. Um, it's just, it, it needs to fit, it needs to work, and it needs to be, uh, you need to accept that that world and all the assets in it are um, in that environment realistic. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, then what, talking about that, then talk to me a bit about you talking about what you need to do to feel immersed. So what are what are the elements that people need to feel or do to really feel immersed in a virtual space? Yeah. So um, first of all, your latency needs to be on a high enough, high enough point that um, your eyes believe it. Um, then a spatial audio is critical because um, that's what gets you out of it the easiest. Just imagine if just one your headset one side just knocks off you'll get annoyed instantly um then the, the um, yeah inverse kinematics uh, not a lot of people know what it is but um it needs to fit where you are so even though your um so if your hand is, is here it needs to know that your your elbow is below it stuff like that mm -hmm. um and um yeah then uh, um, the the calibration part so if you do co-location, you have to have it near perfect. Um, if I want to touch your shoulder, I have to expect that your shoulder and not touching your your chin mm -hmm. or whatever at that point. Um, yeah, and and the easiest way to check that is if people are gonna run within two minutes, mm. and you know, okay, they trust it, it's fine. And if people are still hesitant, then you you failed. It's quite All a simple. Right. Yeah, and because you're the reason why you have a full space 32 by 32 feet or say 10 meters by 10 10 meters yeah. is because you want people to move you want them to move yeah. their bodies right you want them to yeah. run you want them to slide you want them to jump whatever whatever it might be yeah just like real laser tag basically yeah yeah so i mean that's what you you made uh, basically a virtual reality laser tag um inside of there which is it's just fun it's it, it it's intuitive people get it and they can go through it okay is there um from a marketing perspective that's also good to know because okay people are going to like it but pe people need to first know that that uh, it's there so the, the the guys we sell it to the girls <laughs> uh they are the entertainment centers and they need to have the tools uh, to sell it uh to others so we could also create a concept that's like super unfamiliar which might for for the VR tech part be more impressive, but you need mm -hmm. to get it to the market as well. And yeah. people who are going to play this game, they have never done VR, so they need something to hold on to so that, um, yeah, we expect others to say, uh, play VR laser tag rather than play this title uh, of our game. So, uh, yeah. So you're talking about making it really intuitive. So when people who don't know anything about VR, because that's the thing about coming to these places, um, like one of my games is in a whole bunch of VR arcades. Right, yeah, it's a can yeah. candy climbing game. You climb across a whole yeah. bunch of pieces of candy and all that jazz. Um, but you, it's very simple. People understand the concept of grab, climb, grab, climb. That's the yeah. entirety of really the game. So it's there's different types of players that are going to be playing these experiences, and the ones that you're really, you know, appealing to are people that are coming for an experience that maybe have never put on a headset before, but that within yeah. 30 seconds can kind of get up and go. Is that the, yeah. the right audience? People don't want to feel stupid. That that's yeah. the main reason. Yeah. Um, and uh, uh, so um, this is not a something like a VR escape room where you're in for 60 minutes and you have the time to get acquainted. Mm -hmm. um, this type of experience, people want to get in and get out in four minutes. And within that four minutes, they have to have fun as well. You don't have the time to explain them. Um, so the onboarding should just be, here's your headset. This is how you tighten it. That's it. That's the only explanation you can manage. And um, so uh, simple things are like, okay, you have your Oculus controller. If we put a gun model 3D print in it, 
so that we don't have to explain that the trigger is the trigger and not the grip. Yeah, yeah. The trigger is always below the gun, and I realized that this is a gun, so so this is the trigger. We don't have to explain that. Stuff like that helps with the onboarding stuff as well. So not only customer focus, but also operator focus. Um, and that, that mainly derives from my own frustration from running yeah. <laughs> the arcade. Yeah, I've, I noticed that because I, because I, when we built originally for our game, we found that we were a big hit for like birthday parties, right? And the reason being is that you can put in ten screaming kids and they'll all instantly get the game, right? Yeah. That you can get in right away. And as an operator, having to go into each person, put on the headset, get them all situated, and tell them don't click this, you click that, no, yeah. don't do this. I will, you're lost. I got to go find you. And you try, it's like herding cats. Right, you try yeah. to herd these cats, and you're like, "Oh my god!" So, so I, I like it because you saw it from both the, the operator perspective and also the 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 person's perspective that's actually going to be going through the experience. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. What What do you think are the biggest mistakes that people make when they try to make these types of like location based entertainment games? Yeah, um, well, um, the, the a lot of developers focus first on the game itself, and they don't really look at the, the, the demands of their um, prospective end, cusper, end customer. Mm. Uh, and even more, they skip the operator in between. <laughs> they, th that person that gets skipped most of the time. Um, uh, because in a lot of time, initially, it, it will be made for consumers. And then, mm -hmm. oh, yeah, there's a thing called VR Arcade. Let's just port it a bit. And here you go. No. <laughs> that, that, that's, OK, it works in some cases. Um, but still, in the end, uh, it will not. Oh, the doorbell. I don't know. OK, I'm just going to have a. That's <laughs> uh, OK. OK, so, so, uh, yeah. so don't skip the operator is what you're saying on that one. Yeah, just don't skip him. Uh, um, and, and yeah, just know who you are developing for. Um, and um, also, uh, if you're going to make a game, so compare a game like, uh, um, I don't know, an escape room to uh, keep talking, nobody explodes. And I think a lot of people okay. know that. Um, keep talking about explosives. You only need one, one VR headset and people around it, so asynchronous playing. Um, so um, for the business case for the operator, it's super. Oh god, it calls like so. Sorry, can I get it? Yeah, yeah go ahead, get it. I'm gonna talk about this while you while you go there. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> Welcome to a live show, everybody. This is how the game is rolling. Um, and so what we're talking about this, and this is one thing that I've noticed when, when we were making our first um, game, which is called Sweet Escape VR, and is the fact that the operators are really the main evangelists of your application. So when a group of kids or a group of people come to the VR arcade, uh, one of the things that they come across is this, is, is they go, okay, what should we play, right? And it's really up to the operator to recommend whatever experience that they think is best. And so for an operator, they want something that that's gonna, you're going to have a good time, but at the same time, not only the person who's going through it, the participant, whether it's the birthday kids or the family, whoever's showing up to the arcade are going to have a good time. But also, you're going to want to be able to have it easy for the operator. So some advice for anybody that might be thinking about building a location-based entertainment game is to think about it. How do you make it as easy as possible for the operator, low friction, to be able to use? And if you think about this in terms of products, some people try to jam value in to try to make it the most value possible, but they don't think of the friction on the side, how how can you make the friction as low and as easy as possible for the operator to get up and use? Because that's going to be what they recommend. Hey, Buddha, welcome back. Hi, hello. A uh, customer just uh, handed back two headsets. He she ran it for us. Got it. Okay, cool. <laughs> um, so anyway, uh, yeah. So so the operator for it, and um, 
the especially in America, you have a lot of arcades where they run booths. So mm. people just go in one headset, one player, and they pay for that. Um, but uh, the way I started just uh, from the beginning is okay. I want to divide the time from other headset to multiple people. So I really focus on the. I ran a lot. <laughs> uh, really focus on the um, the asynchronous pl playing and and make it a more a social experience. So I compare the model more to bowling rather than the model of laser tag. So mm -hmm. when you go bowling with five people, you don't run five lanes. Mm -hmm. it's just not a thing you do. <laughs> so why shouldn't it be the same for the VR headset? So especially for this game as well, we really focus on how can we entertain a lot of people that are not in VR. The person is VR is always going to have a good time. So if you really focus on how do you get the players around it to have a good time as well, well, your business model goes through the roof. Got it. Yeah. So part of this, there's two models. One is is synchronous play, right? You're playing at the same time. And the other one is just the play of, of actually everybody getting up and taking turns. So like if you're at like a batting cage arena or somewhere yeah. else, right? Like you're going in and you're taking turns. And then part of it is, you know, talking trash on on how the other person did or commenting or something yeah. about that, that, that side, that side experience. That's, yeah. that's awesome. And if you look at um, esports in general, there mm. are like stadiums of people watching other people play. That's what happens with streaming with Twitch. It is already a thing. People don't have, even have to be in the same room to spend a lot of time just watching at someone playing a game. Mm. People don't mind watching that. It, it's leisure activity as well. So why can't a leisure center also have that type of model? Maybe not with all games. For example, escape room is always one-on-one, -on -one, one headset, one person. But yeah, just embrace that model. Just look at the, the best practices in multiple sectors and see how you can get those things into your game, into your entertainment center, whatever. Mm. So that part is what I really focus on with consulting other arcades as well. Got it. Now, let me ask you this. So you also run uh, VResports.com, right? And I feel yeah, like yeah. That you, you made it. I ran it officially because I still have it, yeah. but I'm a bit too busy to... <laughs> Also do that, uh, but it's, it's still a, a functioning website. Yeah, it's a fun, it's, it's a, yeah, it's it, you, you, yeah, you own it, you just don't operate it so much. Yeah. Well, so can you talk to me just a bit? About, so yeah. I, I'm feeling that there's a there's a crossover between you know you know what you've built out, let's say the cops and robbers and these esports um, like on-site activations, and also this vresports.com. Can you talk yeah. to me about how they've kind of integrated any inspiration that went back and forth? Oh, there's so much potential that lies there. I just don't have the time to do it all. <laughs> I, I was looking so long for, for someone to help me manage that, and I yeah. uh, I didn't succeed. Well, I did find some people, but um, um, they weren't the best fit. Um, so um, yeah, I, I'm still waiting for the for the right girl, uh, guy or gal to, to come yeah. along. Um, but yeah, um, you can do a lot with it. Uh, but initially, the idea was uh, quite simple. So just when the lockdown started, um, back then, I still had a, a team of like 40 MPs uh, for entertainment centers. And I, well, the first time I found myself being at home and don't, not actually having to do stuff. So I picked up my VR headset again, which as a VR owner, ironically, you don't do a lot. <laughs> um, and then I realized, well, fuck, I have all these MPs and nobody has a VR headset because they play VR at my place. <laughs> so I didn't have anyone to play with. Like, how, how shit is that? <laughs> we have a VR business. Um, so, um, yeah, that was okay. Now I want to find some people to play with. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I could go to a forum or to Reddit, of course. 
Um, but yeah, they're either going to play other games or they're going to be out of my, not in my league. So, okay, well, leagues, well, you have League of Legends, you have Grand League, Silver League, uh, etc. Um, we need a, a matchmaking rating, an ELO, for VR games. Mm-hmm. And um, recently, a couple ha- have actually implemented, like Blaston was one of the best in that part that's embedded already in the game. Yeah. Um, and there are some esports games like Echo and Onward that offer um, uh, an API for someone else to do that stuff with. Um, but there was no real general platform. Um, so, well, Dara went again with my ADD brain. Fuck it, let's go. Let's just find how we're going to do this. I'm going to be bored anyway for a couple of months. Um, so I purchased VResports.com along with a uh, another site, um, VRevolution.gg. I, I just like the name. Um, mm. The intent of making VResports.com a news website, just like the best practice of ESL, the Esports League. Um, uh, ESL also has a pro.esl. And the pro dot is, is the competition, and the ESL.com is the news site. So mm. I wanted to have that relation. Um, and uh, then I realized this is a whole different sector and that's uh, heavily focused on community and uh, moderators and stuff like that. And um, well, I'm good at a lot of things, but that's not one of the things I'm good at. <laughs> just managing people and keeping them in line. I, I, I just want to be the strategy guy and, and the dreamer and stuff. And okay, how can we innovate on this and not the nitpicking type of thing, which sadly does need to be done in order to create a big community. Um, and also writing content and stuff. Um, if you haven't noticed, I cannot sit still for a long time. Mm-hmm. So I don't need to be the guy who writes a lot of articles. I can, um, if I'm really into it, um, but that's a rare occasion. So um, I really need, needed someone else to go on a path with me, but then, okay, how are you gonna pay them? You, need, uh, you, you must need funding because uh, it will not be a revenue generating model that, that one for a long time. Um, and to, all over that stretch of time to pay like, I don't know, three people, it would be undoable. So you needed volunteers. And that's when COVID retreated a bit back again. I had to say, okay, which path do I need to take? And okay, I'm just going to sit on it. If I find someone who wants to help me, I, I gladly want to be the, the strategy guy, but I cannot be the executive side, the operational side. Mm. And um, yeah, so it's just still sitting there. And, and in the worst case scenario, well, in five years, the domain will be worth quite a lot, I guess. So, <laughs> <laughs> in, in the meantime, you're, you're looking for like some sort of um, community manager, somebody that really wants to take it on and run with it and that can actually yeah. go it's and got build the great potential. But um, I'm, I'm just not going to be the one to actually do it. Um, but yeah, it, it can be a lot of things. And I, I, I can teach a lot of people a lot about business cases, Excel spreadsheets, uh, how to look at things, how to run it, how to connect people, because I got quite a good network. Um, mm-hmm. But all of them need to get paid if they want to do stuff. <laughs> They're a bit too high level. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally, man. Well, it's just, I mean, it's it's a it's a full-time job. You're managing yeah. a community of people. And people yeah. just think of community managers, because what I've noticed is that with community managers, like if you're having to do it for free, they're really enthusiastic in the beginning, and then there's a steep yep. drop-off. And there so, is. yeah, and that's what happens. Unless unless they're being paid for, unless there's KPIs, unless there's management, it's like it's like, oh, this is fun. And then it's like, oh, then you find out it's a job, it's work. Yeah, it takes, yeah. It takes effort to run a community. And so, or they was, realize how much they've learned in a couple of months. And hey, uh, I've learned so much, I can do stuff. Oh wait, I can do also stuff at other places where I get money for it. Yeah, totally. <laughs> we'll to that realization. Uh, uh, yeah, it's a bit of an incubation zone for people to come in. Yeah, 
so uh, long story short, it needed investment. I also uh, started a pitch deck and stuff. Um, but yeah, at that point, COVID retreated. So there is a pitch deck ready for it. Um, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, for the esports.com for that thing? Yeah. Oh, yeah, okay. yeah. Uh, for the, uh, for the top of the, the, the ranking sites, so evolution and esports.com. That, that, that's only when it would work to get all the, the funnel and stuff. Mm -hmm. Do you also run a Discord with this? Is there is Discord connected? There is a Discord, but uh, right. yeah, it's the same thing. Uh, people have been asking, okay, when are we going to do another tournament? Because I host the tournaments, of course. Um, yeah. Well, when we have someone who wants to run it, I guess. <laughs> um, we have a template and everything, but we need someone responsible to get it done, to get shit done. Um, and yeah, maybe I can find some intern. That's, that's not a problem at all. Um, but still, someone needs to manage those interns as well. Yep, yep. I, I, I get it. I get it. And that's the thing. And, and there's yeah. so much time in the day. Where do you put your energy? Where do you put your focus? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that was a really tough decision because I, I had a lot of passion. I saw where it could go. Um, but in the end, uh, yeah, I also have a fiance and stuff. So, oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. Life there's, it, yeah there, there's definitely trade offs there, right? Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah, happiness versus passion. Yeah, what are you gonna do? <laughs> absolutely. So let me ask you: in terms of making a good uh, esports game or an esports tournament, what do you think are some critical factors that people often overlook? Uh, the game itself. Um, well, again, the, the part that's being overlooked is the marketability of it. Um, so, in my opinion, um, the most innovative and in the future, best type of VR game would be actually be Echo Arena. That's out for a long time. But mm -hmm. how the hell are you going to get the early majority for this? It's it's almost impossible. Yeah, it's it's like Ender's Game. Wait, you you don't know what Ender's Game is? Um, it's like zero gravity. Or, or you don't have you don't know how that would work. So you don't. Uh, it's like it, it's like you see a perfume commercial on TV. How that? Okay, I see Celine Dion. She probably smells nice. I don't know. <laughs> I see George Clooney. Okay, I know how it smells. No, you don't. It's just mm. no. <laughs> and that's the same thing with communicating VR. And people really overlook that. So, yeah, but but yeah, it does. It is a perfect game, but it is only for the early adopters. And that's mm. that's the sad part about that esports vibe. Um, so onward is actually much easier to convey to a wider audience. Because most people know about like it's it's a milsim. Right, it's a military simulation kind of game, and so people in yeah. they intuitively get it because it's been around for a long time. Yeah, right. Yeah, it's, it's like Battlefield in in real life, uh, for real. And instead of the character, you are the guy. There you go. It's the explanation. And yeah. also, when just imagine it being live live streamed to it on a big stage. Um, mm -hmm. I, I was so close to, to getting there as well. Um, anyway, um, if you film. The, the the guy in VR and at the same time in the same shot you have the operator view so the, the top down view you instantly see the connection between the two if you do the same thing with Echo Arena it's not gonna be that this, that's gonna have the same connection because then you see a guy standing like this with a frisbee but in on the VR, uh, 2D uh, view you just see a robot that's floating and that's of course we get it but my mom wouldn't. My mom would get the guy lying down and sniping, and she sees an avatar sniping. So, oh, okay. So you're saying that because the physical body, because my physical body, and if I'm showing my physical body as a recording, right, I'm recording that, and I side-by-side side that, like me and you are side-by-side side right now, it doesn't match one-to-one. -one, and because it doesn't match one-to-one, -one, there's a disconnect between what the physical person's doing 
yep. and what's actually happening in the game. Yeah. So that decreases the marketability of the thing. Um, um, and that pushes you much farther and farther into a niche type of area, which is totally fine. Um, but yeah, um, from the start of development, I think a lot of people don't realize that part. Okay, uh, who, uh, what bottlenecks are there uh, that cannot be overcome? And then how do we play those cards? Um, a lot of people just start developing a game because it is awesome. And it is, of course, definitely. Uh, but they don't take that stuff into account. Um, and in the way you communicate your stuff, the, the way you do your uh, uh, development, I don't know, for um, uh, the, the, um, how far you want to take it in the uh, motion sickness department, for example. Mm -hmm. uh, what slang do you want to use? Um, what type of people you want to hire? Uh, what type of trade shows you want to go to? All of that stuff that, um, is, is a result of the bottlenecks you choose or not choose to ignore at the first start of your concept. Um, mm -hmm. And um, yeah, that stuff we really were, um, uh, how do you call it? Aware of. Um, yeah, yeah. Mind, yeah, mindful aware enough. Yeah, and, exactly. yeah. yeah, yeah. And so when you're, you know, when you're looking at this, when you're looking to actually make like these, these, so you talked about on terms of uh, one is designing the game and the other one is is creating a tournament. Now you started talking a little bit about the tournament needing to have that one-to-one -one match for marketability. Are there other things about the tournament that is something or something to be considerate or things that yeah. um yeah so um um your uh programming need to needs to be as such that um you could maybe not direct, uh, instantly from the get-go, but um, you have to have the foundation of your game in such a way that you, in the end, can just deliver an API to any company and then it can then program a leaderboard out of it. Um, and because um, only then other people are gonna want to create their own commercial side off of it. I don't know, I, this is not something I'm gonna advise at all, but it, you could go into sports gambling and stuff. Um, but in order for that, to happen, you need to have the API for the uh, results to come through instantly and to get that stuff going. Otherwise, you can only do the, the betting of, okay, at, at the start of the game, the betting closes and only then let's see what happens. But for soccer and stuff, you can have, okay, at the uh, 89th minute, you can still bet. Oh, uh, by the way, for your American soccer is, a, is actual football with the ball and it's 19 minutes. So 89th minute is the last minute of the game. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> Yeah, so th that analogy is, is quite important. So and and yeah, I think a lot of listeners will think I'm going out, out on a limb, but, but it's it's the interconnectedness of everything uh, that I absolutely adore and that I'm well, if I can say so myself, I'm pretty good at. Um, so okay, if this, then what all the, what influences it all? What are the, are the things in your your value proposition in in your uh, how are you gonna? Uh, look into all the stakeholders who uh, your future stakeholders and and based on all, all that stuff then go and not okay this is awesome let's just make it um yeah have you yeah. seen have you seen like vr sports gambling i mean uh unofficially unofficially that you don't have to name any names but are there things like because uh, is there anything in the areas of because i know vegas has now a lot of uh vr cades are opening up in vegas right and i know there's other things is there anything in the areas of VR sports gambling that's going on besides poker? Mm, I know, um, well, I'm, I've seen um, through my timeline uh, a couple of people who wanted to start it, and those were not um, people I never heard of. 
Um, but um, also, if you look at it from a bigger picture, I think that will be quite a while because the, the people who are betting at this stuff, at least on a higher level, they want to be sure that it, it can never be rigged and stuff. Um, and um, well, um, the, um, and if, if you think farther, the, the development team behind it needs to be super ethical. They need to get screened and we're not at that stage by far. Um, and if it were, those would only be the, the biggest ones. And I think the biggest ones at this point do not, do not want to be associated with that type of stuff because they are still into the, okay, um, anything that can hurt us might break our entire brand. Um, so there are much more other, other things that they can spend their time on that will be more valuable per time spent than going into the sports betting side. Mm. Um, so based on that assumption, because this is a deduction here, um, that, that stuff could only happen if you do it from the start. And if people do it from the start, then they're not going to get as big because the early majority has not been accessed yet. So I 100% think this will be a thing in the future. Um, but uh, And if, if it is there now, it will just be some underground side betting like, hey, how long can you hold your breath? I can do it longer. Let's pay it 10 euros for who does it longest. 100% that happens in Discord and stuff, uh, but not on an official platform. Um, I'm quite sure that that's not there. Yeah, so so that I, don't, I don't know if there's any betting VR Discords that you can go pop into. Well, that's focus that? RCR, but that's not an action. Well, yeah, it is a game sort of, but. Um, what is it called? Focus Stars. Oh, uh, sorry. Oh, uh, okay. I don't know how general knowledge this is because I was a poker player, so I don't know how. How far in the jargon mm -hmm. I am now, um, but uh, yeah, but still, Pokestar CR only has play money and doesn't have actual money. Um, mm. And I think that's also partly because the, the fun about Pokestar CR is that you can actually sit on this. Well, you can walk towards the spot where your opponent is sitting and just annoy him, and that's fun. Um, but, uh, but because of that fact, the the, the uh, play money parts would be hard, I guess. Um, mm. It's just a great marketing stunt on their end. Yeah, I guess what are, what are the like the fringe things that you've seen, like like the like the gambling it, fringe, the outside edges, the things oh, that are. Yeah, yeah. That <laughs> okay, that's fair. Yeah. So, what are things that you've seen that are like controversial at the edge? Things that are out there that are you know like poker or like anything else. What are the things out there that you've seen that have been coming around that are starting to pick up momentum? Oh, okay. The, the last part, uh, because you add, you added add, um, game momentum, I don't know the direct answer to that because I was thinking about some controversial stuff. Like uh, what? Did that game momentum? Like meeting your deceased daughter in VR type of shit. Like <laughs> what? What? <laughs> wow. Okay. I but that was made by the um it was i think it was like a chinese studio or something of did course, that it's Asian, of course yeah yeah that was i watched that yeah. and that thing made me want to ball like because it was a it was a mother right that was going to meet her deceased daughter right and yeah. they, they 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 recreated her as an avatar right and then the, and she came up and she's like mama mama right yep. oh my god yeah um so that, that's controversial for sure that's on top of my list there <laughs> Um, you, you, so yeah, you know what I've seen like in that same vein that makes me think about that is: Have you seen those AI um, applications where you 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 pull your app over the photo of like uh, like a photo of somebody, 
and they kind of come to life and they move around and they like kind of oh, yeah. like look at you. Know what I'm talking about. Oh, definitely. I, even doesn't. I'm like, oh yeah, sure, that's fine. <laughs> sure, but imagine if they did that in VR, where like you could actually yeah. take a photo of your of your deceased person or whatever it might be, and then just takes that photo and brings it into VR. And now that person's develop. It's it's the same code. It's, it, they make a oh. model of your photo, and you just have to port it to VR. We can, our our developers can just do it like within a week or something. That's not hard. That's that's <laughs> so. For, but for the use cases of, of 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 looking at or having conversations with your deceased relatives, ooh, because you could like you could take AI, voice AI too, and then you could have you could have you could have some dude on the chat on the back end just typing up words and sending it out to have it sound like. Oh, I, I just uh, shared a, a sick um, a deep fake thing. Maybe you've seen it come by in, in timeline. It's from Morgan Freeman. Uh, that I, I'm not a real person. Um, let's see. Uh, I don't know if I've seen. Oh, it. I'm not a real. If you are guys, um, it's probably on YouTube because it went sort of viral. Uh, Morgan Freeman deep fake. Yeah, here it is. You could just YouTube that. I think you should share your screen on this one because people are going to be like, what? Here. Is it Morgan Freeman as a deep fake? All right, let's go back. Uh, a green um, logo on the top right. Okay, let me see here. Uh, did you yeah, open your audio too? Okay, wait, did you did you send it to me or did I? Oh, you can just YouTube it yourself. I, I thought that's easier okay. for you. Oh, is it Morgan Friedman? This is not Morgan Freeman. That, that's the, the, the quote. And a deep fake singularity. Uh, this is not Morgan Friedman. Oh my God! Yeah, I see. Oh my God! Yeah, see, this is the thing where it's like seeing is believing, but then you have something like this where yeah. you can't you can't actually tell you can't actually tell what it is. So I'm gonna yeah I'm gonna this is gonna this is gonna rock some people. We're gonna play this just for a second because this is fascinating. Not Morgan Freeman, and what you see is not real. Well. At least in contemporary terms, it is not. Man. What if I were to tell you that I'm not even a human being? Would you believe me? What is your perception of reality? Is it the ability to capture, process, and make sense of the information our senses receive? If you can see, hear, taste, or smell something, does that make it real? Or is it simply the ability to feel i would like to welcome you okay we're gonna stop that <laughs> that is some freaky business yep so that, i mean dutch people i just yeah <laughs> i mean we're stepping into a, this reality where what okay what scares you about the future of, of vr tech what what things like this is there, is there anything that's on the edges of this that make you actually stop and go oh i'm deep in vr but i don't know if i'm going to go that deep on the vr part no um it's it's more on the uh um the the the, the neuralink part combined with vr that mm. type of stuff um um so uh there are of course genres i wouldn't get into with vr but that's not really tech related that's just yeah. content related uh, uh, okay and that's a big distinction. People really don't see that distinction a whole lot. Distinction a whole lot. Um, so um, yeah, on the hardware side, uh, a VR headset with a brain scanner connected to a proper actual AI, that would be scary as fuck. <laughs> so because then you have all the data to copy you. 
Yeah. And um, if in the future there will be a metaverse, because there's not a metaverse right now, guys, it doesn't exist yet, just to be clear. Um, if there is a future, <laughs> a metaverse in the future, um, the, then um, your VR um, life, if you will, will be quite important. Um, just like now your smartphone is an extension of you. Um, there's a lot of info on your smartphone and you, you just carry it around. You, you, um, a lot of people here will probably feel naked if they don't have a bulb in their pocket uh, and they have like a scary moment when they, it's not there, pressing against their leg. Um, well, uh, the same thing will be will happen with VR. So um, uh, if you read the book of Ready Player One uh, or listen to the book, by the way, Will Wheaton, mm -hmm. of, uh, that's, that's very good. Uh, anyway, uh, they, they sh uh, really uh, show you the, the world, how it could look. Uh, for example, you go to Planet Ludus and in Planet Ludus, you get your education. Um, so your avatar will be just you uh, and people will accept that. So if you have all the data and you have someone or some company who is going to use the data to copy you, well, your second life, not to name drop, because uh, anyway, your second life uh, will be copied. So that's a super invasive version of identity theft. It's not just documental identity theft, it's, well, virtual, and in that case, real life identity theft, because real life and the virtual world will be interconnected with each other. Um, so your avatar would be, I don't know, a part of your password because people would just scan your zeros and ones on your avatar, including, I don't know, your thought patterns and the way you say something and you're good to go. You, you got past, you can enter this world where your virtual banking world or whatever. Um, yeah. Um, and that will not be hard to do with all the data out there. Um, yeah. That's crazy. Oh, there's two pieces on that. Uh, before I uh, talk about mind-blowing stuff, I want to talk about this this metaverse thing. So what is your definition of the metaverse? Can you say it's not here yet? So yeah. what is your definition and what does here look like? Well, in my opinion, okay, we could still call a lot of things the metaverse, but then we need to decide on a new definition of how you would call a world such as Ready Player One. Mm -hmm. um, that's fine. And I'm fine with that. But at this point, there is no replace word for it. Um, because I see in my timeline every time, hey, I made a random VR environment in Unreal Engine. I just downloaded a template and I clicked run. I made a metaverse. No, you didn't. You made a VR program, mister. Mm -hmm. That's all you did. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Even the 360 video is going to be called a metaverse these days. Um, yeah. And it just takes away the shine of the people that are actually on the front end of that part that also call it a metaverse, rightfully as they should. Um, but yeah, then people are going to steal us. It's, it's like the word, word, the word awesome is a good example of that one. My brownies were awesome. Really? Were your brownies awesome or were they just delicious? Because if I'm going to the moon, I want to have a word for how my experience was. And I'm going to say that trip was awesome. Just like the brownie I had. No, no it's not the same it's thing. It. But people, there are no other words for expressing your amazement. Yeah. So that word got hijacked, and that's the same thing with the metaverse. <laughs> sure, exactly. That's why we need another word. I've seen it too, and that's what I've noticed that there's 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 some different definitions when people see the word metaverse, right? And when when uh, Zuckerberg came out first and said ah meta, right? What happened was uh, my <laughs> definition, my my definition of the metaverse is a multiplayer virtual reality application where it's 
a large scale kind of MMO thing where there's lots of people in it, right? That is to my no. definition. That's just World of Warcraft VR. Okay. So then what is the difference between the World of Warcraft VR and 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 the metaverse? Uh difference is um if you are gonna play Valheim or if you're gonna play another type of like Skyrim, you can take the same axe you found in World of Warcraft and use it there. Okay. So so what you're talking about is the crypto side of it, which is decentralized well, it crypto. It could be anything basically. Um yeah, but, you, uh, but you're, you're talking about other places. Yeah, but crypto you're talking about is decentralized. It's decentralized ownership, right? Yeah. So I have I have complete ownership. I have privacy. I have economy. I have those elements, right? So you're talking about so yeah. if I have an axe. I can take my axe and I can bring it into multiple places where that axe works. Is that is that what you mean? Yeah, a, a good example is um, Rec Room, for example. That it's not a metaverse, but it, it could act like one. So let's. Mm. Um, make a hypothetical thing that uh, the the lobby of rec room is just could be your own personal lobby and every door you go into is a um door for your school a door for your bank and a door for something else and um so that could in the future be owned by meta by 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 uh by dance uh, or, or any other company so those companies could uh, have a um a integration with your bank app, there is a lot of for Google has integrations with a shitload of stuff. You just log in with your Google credentials, and you don't have a password. That same type of thing in VR that will be, in my definition, a metaverse. Mm. Um, so Google will be in this case the VR Google will be the enabler. That will be the main thing. Your your base, your VR home, and just like now, uh, I got this shirt on, and I had this shirt on when I went to my business meeting, and I have it on now. That's a yeah, just like in your life. Um, Got it. So it's really being able to actually move your you and your objects and everything in across those different platforms. So we need some sort of shared agreement. Like right now, PayPal, for example, PayPal is integrated across a bunch of different things. Yeah. Um, and so there's, I almost want to call I want to call that a metaverse, but that 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 wallet. Is a it's been multiple metaverses. That's what yeah. PayPal could do. Google might yeah. be a better example because Google is more an identity of you uh, yes, it is. than PayPal is. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. then you can have your Google identity that get brought with you, then brings all of your search history or whatever whatever that stuff is. Yeah. Um what one other thing that does uh, to know about do you do you know about um a person named Mary Lou Jespin? Have you heard of her at all? And I've open water, but not no. her. So she used to be the head of Oculus's reality labs. Oh. She was the one that like pioneered the glasses for the Quest. She's a she oh, is the predecessor of McCormick. She is a genius, a yeah. genius, right? She worked at MIT, got bored in there, got in the space. She then made computers um, super cheap, all the way down to being a hundred dollar computers that then she sold like billions of dollars worth in Africa to make that widely available. Then she went. From there, from, from that to Google, there to Oculus and Oculus that. She yeah. realized something. The thing that she realized was that the, the camera phone, when she was in the Oculus labs, she realized that the camera that is so good on your phone can actually go through your skin and can actually kind of take a look at the blood vessels and that kind of stuff. And if you did an array of them, if you so if you did multiple cameras in a row and you put that on your head, that would operate as a functional MRI machine. As a, yep. as a, like, as not, 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 new tech, 
Yeah. Not yeah. not new not new tech, not yeah. new cameras. No, the cameras today. And so yeah. for the last four years, she opened up her own company called I think Open Water. I think it is is the name of it or something like that. But it's where it's it's this brain scanning device that operates as a full MRI scanner. Where she said you could literally over time have AR VR telepathy by by hooking that up to your brain and a VR machine, which is, you know, yeah. Well, yeah. ready player yeah. two. Metaverse doctor visits would be amazing, would be super efficient. Um, oh my god, you just and, put that in, they scan you. Yeah, and and co connect it to a a some sort of data gatherer uh, in your toilet, and then you got it. <laughs> your oh, it will be a thing. I swear it will no, be. No, no, no. I agree. I agree. So you poop, you poop. You you have a smart toilet that takes your poop, pulls out the side, right? You grab smart like a door handle. Be the best health device in the future. I swear it. Oh, God. I want a smart toilet right now. Just, dude, yeah. You just take it and it just it just takes it and it processes it. And it, the smart toilet just scans the poop and then yep. sends it up to wherever. You, so you get the regular poop scans. You yep. have some sort of blood scanner. Yeah, I can see that. It can see if you're pregnant and stuff. Uh, uh, it can see if, if you need to have more potassium in your diet, uh, if you have a, some sort of deficiency, if you need to sleep more, uh, stuff like that. Um, combine that with a brain scanner in, in your VR headset um, and with some guided meditation if you require it, so psychology, mm -hmm. you can link that. And you've got a full health scan and you will prevent so many stuff. So it's it's super uh, in, into the preventive area. No other doctor can be there because once you've got the mole, he can analyze it and then only a month later you get the results. Um, but this is even more detailed than that entire process, which takes at least a month, for example. Yeah, I, you love I really want that. You really want that? I mean, uh, you know, I could picture some sort of like, almost like a Roomba, right? As you're sleeping or as you're doing VR, oh, the, like the, the, little, the vacuum things that go yeah. around the place that, that sweep yeah. up, but it's just going over your body. It's just on your body, constantly scanning your body 3D wise. And so, okay, is there any tumors? Is there anything going on? I'm just scanning your body. And you just, you just accept that this no, little, no, no. this little, this smart t-shirts. Oh, smart t-shirts. Okay. And it, it just has some pressure sensors. Um, and it just recognizes it like, uh, like a micro sensors, whatever. Mm -hmm. um, and um, I don't know, every day uh, you, you swallow in a, a pod that you can uh, poop out or whatever, or, or yeah. just have a tag in you that communicates with your shirt and, and, and then you have both sides of your body. Yeah, um, one entire health app with your smart toilet and that connects to a doctor and a doctor only goes when he sees a notification, okay, yeah. this is a serious situation, you need to call this person now. 3D then scan says, okay, I'm gonna give you some precision medicine. We're gonna go ahead and download for your 3D printer. We're gonna we're gonna Amazon you the, the images. All you're gonna do is take component A and B and put it in your 3D printer, and we're gonna go ahead and make some precision drugs for you to take for that specific issue that you're having that we detected in your in your poop. Yeah, yeah. And and in the brain scans combined, then because uh, that's that's a, a um, subjective thing. The brain scan, for example, depression is not yeah. really in the brain is a combination of your um, uh, uh, the way you act and the way you uh, your behavior. mindset. My, yeah. Mindset, is, yeah, mindset is not uh, in the brain. You cannot scan it. So, it, within your VR session, uh, the, the the therapist just scans the the, the way um, uh, uh, on the data sides, scans your pupils, the the, the way your voice travels and stuff like that, uh, along with the things you are actually saying and interpreting that in a human way that only a human can do, and. Well, then uh, that one, the person can decide, okay, 
based on this, I, I recommend you this VR app in this level, and we can track your data, how you're doing. And um, then you make a gamification of your mental health thing, which is much better uh, in my I opinion. love it. I love it. It makes uh, uh, that sounds so fun. Uh, and and uh, a little utopia, a little dystopia. There's a little bit, a little bit of everything kind of mixing in there a bit. The good and the bad. We talked about it. Yeah. We talked about the good stuff. It's amazing. It's amazing. Okay, so let me ask you this. So you have this um, new application coming out that you're working on to go to LBE Entertainment. You have this um, VR esports. Um, uh, website thing you're doing, you got all this stuff that you're working on, this future of the VR. What for you is your holy grail in this whole VR slash metaverse in place? For you, what is the thing that you're striving to achieve? Um, well, uh, my on, on a, uh, a personal level, it would be more like uh, I, I'd love uh, from the first time I did VR, I love um, opening people's eyes. Uh, like, whoa this is possible holy shit! i see a new color type of look uh, i knew all the colors of the rainbow and now i see infrared what the hell uh, i didn't know or hey what the fuck? i have wings i can fly now all the things i can do with my wings that that type of of amazement i wish that to everyone <laughs> that, that, the personal goal uh, and that can be done with any app uh whatever um and for example, when I, when I, uh, uh, in my teaching classes, when a lot of people haven't done VR, I just put them in tilt brush and honestly, I make them draw a house. So draw a house, like, okay, then I draw a house and then they do the lines. Okay. Now draw them 3d. So they do concave lines or, or not 3d lines. So 2d, yeah, 2D lines, uh, yeah. Like, like they're used to. And so this is not, this is not 3d. And then, uh, yes, it is. Literally half of the people still say, yes, it is 3d. No, stand here. And like, what the fuck, what? It's flat. Yes, it is flat. How do you do that? And, and still, uh, fifty percent of those at that point still don't know they can push. <laughs> they can push <laughs> their hands on it. it. It just doesn't click. And before I start any of my lectures, I really want that fixed because otherwise I cannot reach them in the mindset I, I want to be them them to be in. Um, mm. And that's the easiest example. And that stuff I, I really love. Um, and yeah, on a professional level, um, yeah. so the things we just talked about, uh, the, the entertainment stuff and the esports, um, that's uh, half of what I focus on. Now with the other half of my business, I do B2B consulting. So um, the thing you introduced me with, we're bridging the gap between the tech and the market. Well, the, the entertainment will always be at the front end. I, I, I'm not uh, gonna claim I'm on the front end on that one. Um, but I, uh, what I can do, and what I'm quite sure I'm good at is, um, the people who are going are going to come to me hey i want to do something with vr help me those people are are by far the majority um and um edu educating them will increase adoption much much farther um, mm -hmm. and also that will get stuff done because those people those will be the biggest decision makers they don't have time to read all about it to understand the the mindset of the early adopters and what they see and what they envision no, they are the people with the money. They are the CEOs of the non-techie companies. Um, and um, well, you got to reach them. And a good example is what, what we're doing now. Um, we're going to um, build. So out of one of those questions came the request from a, um, a chain of schools, a school board. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Anyway, um, OK, um, we want to add VR to our curriculum. OK, that's been number four a lot of times. Um, but. Um, 
a lot of times in in for Oculus Go in 360, you can you see a body for in front of you, and you click on the heart, and the heart comes to you. Mm -hmm. But um, I want to. A lot of people probably don't notice, but do you know the magic school bus? Oh yeah, yeah. That's that type of experience. Take the whole class with you as the teacher, and take them with you in virtual reality, um, and just delete all the tables and use co-location free room in your edu education. Um, and um, but don't make it just a gimmick or just one thing uh, uh, like when you're gonna visit a museum once in 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 the year. I know, make it a part of your curriculum and, and also, okay, then how are you going to test their skills? You also need to test it in VR and you need to get the data of, of, of it. Um, how do you onboard all those teachers to use that stuff? So the transition of the chalkboard towards tablets, that's quite an, a big transition. The same transition we want to make from tablets to VR. Yeah. And um, there were tablets a long time in education before it was the main thing because the entire system behind it need, needed to be embedded too. And well, that's what we're gonna pilot in this uh, uh, project. And um, in 2025, so in three years, uh, it will be a part of their education for, uh, yeah, awesome. okay, I, I have to age range. I think it's 13 to uh, 16, 13 to 18, mm. um, go younger. Yeah. So if it's so if it's so if part of your holy grail is to really kind of inspire the people that haven't tried this at the non tacky people and then bring them into the virtual world to show them the possibilities right to, yeah. to to be able to kind of get more of the mass adoption of virtual reality. What yeah. is the big dragon, what is the big thing that you need to overcome in order to make that happen. Um, so. Um, uh, the, the biggest uh, um, counter argument I get is. Yeah, um, well, we, the, the technology is going so fast and we want to wait to, until, it, until it's ready, um, whilst not realizing it's already there. Um, and the, uh, this, this is the first time since this technology that there's enough uh, evidence, and not only evidence, but also use cases, people are already using it, that uh, VR in, their, in any of their sectors, um, that there's almost no way if you convey it correctly for them to bring up that argument um mm. uh, and the, the wireless vr held amazingly a lot with this because um not only from the investment perspective because bringing a pc for every kid is no um and also on the operator side in this case the teacher that, that's just not doable if you have wired vr um uh, so um and then um uh, also came 5g which is also quite important. Um, mm. And uh, I'm not going to say uh, those headsets are going to be run on 5G because of the personal stuff. But the the, uh, the rise of 5G enabled a lot of other companies to fumble around with it. And those became use cases for just simply the proof of the learning and development impact. And you can use that data to convince the schools. Because the schools will always be on a, on a LAN network. Well, they should. Um, uh, on a LAN network uh, that's that's uh, probably guarded, so in the 5G you're not actually going to use, but the data you can use. Um, mm. And again, here comes the best practices from other sectors, even outside of VR um, and uh, outside of education, that you can use for that. Um, so mm. uh, yeah, that's the part uh, uh, of our consultancy stuff uh, we do. And uh, personally, that that um, is what best uh um 
fits all my brainwaves. I don't know the way, the right way to say it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a genius. All my, head, my stuff in there. Yeah, yeah. yeah the zone of genius where it all fits. That's awesome, man. Yeah. Um, it's been, it's been epic having you on the show, brother. It's been fun to go back and forth with you on the topics. Is there anything else you'd like to let people know about before you tell them how to get a hold of you? Uh, to get a hold of me, uh, well, uh, I uh, regularly post stuff on LinkedIn to inspire mm -hmm. some people. Um, I hope to be in Orlando at the end of the year, uh, the, one of the bigger entertainment trade shows. And um, uh, let's see, I'm sadly not streaming anymore. Um, that's for good reasons, because I have uh, fun stuff to do. Um, and um, yeah, I think LinkedIn is the best guess. Um, and yeah, if, if some of the listeners want uh, to take a crack at starting a, a sort of a business or VR esports and learning a lot of shit, uh, well, let's go. If you have a good <laughs> idea, uh, a lot of stuff can happen if you just say fuck it and let's do it. Uh, you need a little bit of ADD in there, but that, that'll work. I love it. I love it. All right. Thank you so much, brother. Appreciate you being on the show. It's been, it's been a pleasure and an honor, my friend. Uh, thank you for jamming with me on this topic. I uh, appreciate yeah. your time and I'll see you on the other Thanks side. Thanks for having me. Absolutely, brother. Take care now. All right. <laughs> Thanks. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Heroes of Reality podcast. Check out heroesofreality.com for more episodes. While you're there, you can also take the Heroes quiz to find out what kind of hero you are. Or if you have a great story and want to be on the podcast, tell us why your hero's journey will inspire others. Thank you for listening. See you on the other side.